Hi, I'm Mike Marino, and this is a brand new episode of Live from My Mother's Basement. What's happening, everybody? It's a big, big night here in the basement. Because not only do I have a fantastic guest, it's 300. It's 300 episodes of Live from My Mother's Basement, special guest, Renee Marino on the show to celebrate 300. <laughs> Marino's in the house. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming over. I know it's the day after Christmas. Christmas was out of control, fun. A lot of families getting together in their basements. Yep. But we're doing it one more night, this basement show. So thank you so much for coming over. It's been one hell of a ride. I got all kinds of cool balloons on my on my uh, my bar. They say uh, happy, as you can happy see, it says, birthday. no, no, it says happy 300. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find any I, balloons that said fine. happy 300. We get it. Just turn it around like yes. that. No one knows. You fake it. There you go. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, it's on both there sides. All right. Th there, there you go. Happy 300. <laughs> Boom. There's balloons everywhere. We got cake. We got pie. We got food. Go figure, there's food behind the bar. I, I've never heard that. We got some other stuff. We got Dom Perignon, and we got a great guest that we're going to talk to and have a lot of fun with. So let's get right to it, because, you know, a lot of people were probably going wild, eating all day for Christmas, but Renee, with a last name of Marino, means she's Italian. So why don't you tell us what the night before Christmas is? Endless. 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 You know, the seven fishes, which is typical old school. I don't even Italian. have to say nothing. Yep. Watch this. The Go. Seven, the seven Go. fishes. And I'm allergic to you. fish. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. My <laughs> Uncle John, we go down, we go down Bricktown. I'm sorry, Manasquan, New Jersey. And he does the stuffed clams. He has I can't even tell you what the other fish is, but he he catches them and then he cooks them. And all we do is eat. It's it's just it's just constant hours, hours. The wine, the food, the carbs, the pasta. It's heaven. It's heaven. One of the funniest things we have to say this is a lot of people who watch this show are not from anywhere near New Jersey. Not not from New York. Maybe no Boston, Chicago. We got a lot of great people who watch from different parts of the world, like the United Kingdom mm -hmm. and Australia and Dubai. So, Renee said she has relatives that live on the Jersey Shore, so that you people know there's a large amount of places to go fishing to actually yes. get the fish that you bring to your house. Mm. So that's basically what she was saying, that someone, so they actually catch the Thank fish and bring it. Thank you for translating that. Well, I understand it. We gotta make sure everybody yeah. understands that. Me. I've been allergic to fish my whole life. Oh my gosh, so I, that's like a sin. <laughs> that's a sin for an Italian. I've been cursed. Help me, Jeez, help me. <laughs> what do you do on Christmas Eve then? Hide. Hide. Oh no, my it's true. Goodness. Because listen, we do this. We do all the fish, but we do everything. I'm talking everything. We have all the pastas, all the meats, everything, cheese, and then the desserts. Forget about it. <laughs> I always thought that was more of a New York thing <laughs> than a Jersey thing. I very seldom say forget about it unless I say, listen, please don't tell anybody what we just did. Forget yeah. about it. Forget about it. <laughs> but that way, it's a different, not like forget about it, like, oof, you could have seen. Um, my mother, down here in the basement, mm -hmm. all our lives, we call her sister Aunt Mary, 
And she was married to Uncle Tommy, which is the character I do, Uncle Tommy. Yeah, damn stupid kids. <laughs> that guy. We used to love when he would come over yeah. because, you know, back in the day, he was Archie Bunker. He could say whatever he wanted. You see your stupid neighborhoods now? That's it. It's over. Pack up and move. Archie. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, when my mother would make the seven fishes, of course, they got it from every place you can think of that they were related to somebody. And I would actually go way upstairs in the attic and have um, something else because I'm so highly highly allergic to fish that it actually gets into my system and it, it affects my lymph nodes. Wow. So like under my arms starts to turn like uh, fire. And that's funny to you. I don't know about you, wow. but my family would try to test you. No, you're not. Yeah, Come course, on. Of course. Bite into this tuna. You yeah. can have tuna. Yeah. <laughs> then you're outside turning different colors. What happened? I just gave him tuna. Yeah. You're not full. Keep eating. Keep eating. And then you're throwing up in the backyard. You know what you do? Put the tuna in the ravioli. That's You'll it. never know yeah. it's there. <laughs> well, why am I having it? <laughs> I should write that down. That's very That's funny. That's good. That's good. Put the tuna in the ravioli. Put the tuna in the ravioli. You're never going to know. <laughs> you know, if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't have tasted it. <laughs> That's disgusting. You know, I wonder why now I, I eat past the point of me being full. Like, I, I try to catch myself and say, Renee, why do you do this? Like, you're full. Your your body's telling you you've had enough. But you keep going. And I go, what, what am I thinking? This is my childhood. Come on. you got to finish your plate. What do you, you're not full. You're not full. Keep eating. This is this is how what you start to realize as you get older. Isn't it amazing how different things are compared to when we were younger? Because when I was a little kid, uh, we always had this at the dinner table. You can't go anywhere until you finish yeah, everything you. in your plate. And now they would say, well, that's why I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. But then you didn't move. Mm -hmm. And if you had a problem with spinach or broccoli, because I did, you're not going to go anywhere. And you know what my mother would do? Fine. Don't eat it tonight. It's going to be in your plate tomorrow yes. night. And it was worse and mushy and disgusting. But that's the way you learned old school. That's it. Now I think people think, oh, those parents are mean. I'm like, no, we grew up just fine. That's it. Old school, the old school ways. And, you know, Mike, I came out with my book last year called Becoming a Master Communicator. And the subtitle is Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. That's and wonderful. It, and it's old, like O-L apostrophe, you know. But it's, again, even when it when it comes to communication, when it comes to our family, the those old school ways have seemed to gone away a bit, but I think it's our job to bring it back because there are so many wonderful qualities from the old school ways, from our family, from from things that we learned, but it's like it's about now how do we balance it in today's time? We need to balance it and we need to either that or unbalance it because I mean I had a crazy experience just uh what's today? The twenty sixth. No, Oh, yeah, what day? So, uh, I don't even know what day it is. A couple days before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> a couple days before Christmas. Yeah. I went into the bank, and I asked this guy working at the bank, I said, I need a printout of a specific um, thing for my father's situation, let's say. And the guy goes, no, you can't do that. It takes five days. you got to pay for it, and you can't do that. And I go, mister, you sure? Because I was here three months ago, and the guy who was here before you, he did it. I walked in, and he did it. He goes, well, he shouldn't have did it. And who was he? He doesn't work here anymore. I'm like, man, do you really need to be that nasty? You're in a bank that's in the center of a town where everybody knows each other. Yeah. I'm here 50 years, buddy. Yep. So he gave me the attitude. So I tell everybody all the time, 
ask two people who work at the same place the same question, you're going to get two different answers. Yep. So I get in my car, I go one town over, I walk into a Bank of America, and I said to the girl, you know, this is what I need. She goes, okay, wait over there, I'll have it for you in 10 minutes. So what did I do, being the Italian wise ass from New Jersey? Mm -hmm. I went back to the original bank and I went over to the guy and I said, hey, how you doing? Listen, yeah. this is what I wanted. This is what the girl gave me. I will never come in this bank again. That's it? Done. And you know what you did though? You know what's good about that speaking up, which I, I think is so important? It's like you held up a mirror for that guy to be like, listen, you're being a jerk. Hopefully this will help you to not be a jerk to the next person who walks in because I really believe that many times people don't realize like they just have no self-awareness they don't realize how they're being until someone like you or someone who can speak up and and communicate from a real place helps them to see oh wow you're you're not living up to your potential so just so you know sir i got the answer i needed thank you and now he can go sit wow. with it you were a lot nicer than i was <laughs> what a nice explanation <laughs> no i said what time do you get off work I'll meet you in the I'll meet you in the backyard. Yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> the time you leave, you're in the wrong neighborhood, buddy. <laughs> When's the last time you've been in a headlock? <laughs> <laughs> How would you like to have some seven fish down your throat? <laughs> I'm allergic, but I bet you're not. <laughs> I'll find it. You know, you asked me before, what did I do? My mother always knew my whole life, little Michael, because my father's Mike Senior, little Michael is gonna go up to the attic and sit by himself until we're all done eating, which was true because the basement, when they fry flounder or whatever, or what is it, bacala, bacala. it stinks, it stinks yeah. down here. I don't want to, everybody goes home with a sweater full of bacala <laughs> because you stink. And my mother would make me uh, broccoli and gavadils. Gavadil and or broccoli. Or how did they say gavadil it? Gavadil and broccoli. Gavadil, broccoli, gavadil. Uh, that's radit, no. How do you say in I Italian? Wish I spoke it. Yeah, right. Uh, broccoli rob, broccoli rob. Mm. But she said it in Italian. All the words that she said in Italian, we thought they were English words until I moved to California. Then I realized <laughs> it's not money gut. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I thought it it's was, not. I thought it was a G, monogot. Because we were so you're, you're gonna make monogot, so I thought it was a G until yes, I I saw the spelling and I go, what are we doing here? What's what's going on? How did we really say it? I don't, I don't even remember. I, I will say this, though, before we go any further. And, and I want to ask this question, too. Watch the reactions, right? Okay. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> See? We didn't even have turkey until late. Oh now we had raviolis, oh meatballs. Sometimes my mother would make chicken. <laughs> chicken and potatoes. And then she'd go, oh, does anybody want turkey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tur I don't know turkey's definitely like the not the main event no. at all. Like we don't even do a full turkey. My mother-in-law who is wonderful just like does the turkey breast and then we're like, "Oh, all the sides in the world. Let's just bring all the sides in." Yeah, to be Italian, it's all about food. And and it and it is. It, it is. is right now. It we're is. actually going to be eating some stuff for the 300th uh, episode here at the bar. <laughs> And we'll start eating when she uh, starts talking more about her career because that's what we would like to talk about. And it's really wonderful how we meet through other entertainers. Now we meet on the Internet somehow. 
And then we have friends in common. And when you have these friends in common, you start to feel so much more comfortable and you, with each other. And then you want to talk about how you know everybody and hopefully eventually you work together in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So let's go all the way back to your childhood. Where actually were you born? I was born in Linden, New Jersey, not too far from here. And Linden, see, that's, Linden. The ri- that's the rival school to Scotch Plains. We played them in football. Ooh. I didn't play football. I was just in marching band. How about you? <laughs> oh, no, I was in theater. Theater. I was just theater, singing and dancing away. <laughs> While all the sports people were playing their sports, I was singing and dancing on that stage. Right? Yes. Yes. See, singing and dancing at a young age because you were just bit by the entertainment bug. So, Linden, New Jersey, go Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. So, grew up in a a small ranch in Linden with my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my brother. And we were close. I mean, everything for us was centered around food, the kitchen table. I always say you can often find us talking laughing sometimes arguing but nonetheless communicating. yeah i'm trying to trying to be nice the conversation was an argument (laughs) it always seems like an argument to outsiders anyone who's not italian or from new jersey they're like wow you guys argue all the time i'm like no we're just talking yeah what do you mean that's how we talk my cousin Uh, my cousin francis you can never talk to her normal it's it sounds like you're in a fight yeah you, you feel yes. like oh could you just take it down and not take it down and not then she would get even more angry i'm not yelling stupid i'm just talking yeah. to you <laughs> i'm just no, no, talking I, to you you just called me stupid yeah. well you're not listening you're like your father <laughs> screw your father <laughs> it's like it's like we have the same relative All right it's 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 it's, so, it's in the it's genes. so universal it really is and yeah we we were tight-knit family and from the age of three i I loved dance, so I was in dance class, and then when I was about seven or eight, my best friend, her name was Betsy Kennedy, shout out to Betsy, I love you. Hi, Betsy. She was doing community theater, and I didn't even know what the heck community theater meant, but I said, oh, Betsy's doing it, I'm going to do it. So that's basically doing musicals over the summer, and the first musical I did was George M., and I had a vocal solo. And it was like, how, down how, how, how by old? the Erie, there waits my pal. Though the days grow long and dreary, he declares he'll ne'er grow weary. And it went on. And from the moment I was on the stage singing, I caught the bug. Like you said, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like home. I love, I love being here, being a part of a, a community of, of performers. And then I started taking private voice lessons. And I just was in the industry since then, not professionally, um, but always was just so captivated by performing. And a lot of people ask me, like, when was when was the, the moment that you decided you wanted to pursue being an, an entertainer? And I really believe it was just, it was a part of me. Like, even though that was the first time that I really understood, like, oh, this is what I love doing, it was just a part of the fabric of my being. I'm sure you feel like that. Like it just, it just felt a part of me. Like the way I speak, the way I use my hands, it was just something, an extension of me. So got to high school, did all of the musicals, you know, played the lead role in all of the musicals. And then when it was time for college, I remember a lot of people, like all of you, I'm sure have people in your lives that, that tell you you shouldn't be doing what your <laughs> heart knows you should be doing. Where are you going? Where are you going? Um, and, 
and I knew that I wanted to major in musical theater. And so many people are like, Renee, are you kidding me? It's such an unstable career. You need something to fall back on. Even my some of my mentors. And I said, no, I'm going to do it. And I majored in musical theater at Wagner College, Staten Island, New York, an amazing, amazing program. And it was some of the best years of my life. I got to hone my craft. The day after my college graduation, I was on a plane to Biloxi, Mississippi, to perform as the lead singer in a casino show out there. That was my first professional gig. And Mike, you'll love this. So you're 19, 20 at this time? I just turned 21. Right. And I go out to Biloxi, which by the way, being from New Jersey, didn't even know where Biloxi was. I first, when I landed the job, I said, that's amazing. Where is that? It's in Brooklyn. Exactly. Um, my mom <laughs> cried. My mom cried. She goes, Veloxi? Where's Veloxi? <laughs> Are you living by the swamps? No, no clue. So when I got out there, um, I'm 21 years old, and it was the first time I got paid to do what I love. And I'll never forget standing on my balcony, getting my first paycheck and I call my mom and I'm looking out on the Gulf because you know looking at the water and, and I'm so excited and I said mom I just got paid to do what I love like it was this crazy feeling where I was like I do this for free all the time I love this so much this is my hobby I just got paid and from there I, I did that for three and a half months I thought I made it I was on billboards on the interstate I was like this is it <laughs> 21 um, and then I got back home to New Jersey my daytime job was being a substitute teacher at my old high school, Linden, New Jersey. How trippy is that? I'm sitting behind the teacher's desk and I'm thinking, I was just there, like in the hallways. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. And then I was auditioning, like nonstop in the city all the time. And then I booked the first, uh, no, the 25th anniversary tour of Cats. So toured all around North America for a year. In Cats? In Cats, and I was what what's called a swing. So I covered six different roles, which is one of the hardest things to do as a performer because you don't know just one role, you have to know several. And I had to cover six different cats. Still one of the hardest shows I've ever done because just the way you're using your body and, and the dancing, the singing. Oh, well, let me, let, let's ask that question, but if you're covering six different mm -hmm. people, how often was someone out? Oh, very often, especially with a show like that. It's so physically demanding. And you have to think, we're on tour. So, like, we're on a bus for 14 hours. Then you get off, you're in new cities. There's so many different conditions to, to make people feel sick or people get injured. We were in Mexico for six weeks. I remember, and we had three show, three show days. So, for, like, two shows out of that day, I'd be performing. I mean, everybody had what we call Montezuma's Revenge, too, because we were in Mexico and everybody's eating foods that they don't normally eat. So that was... Uh, How interesting. That was a, a a true shit show, if you in, know what I'm in, saying. In the six, because I don't really know the play, um, was any of them, like, the lead cat? There were, yes, there were cats that were considered more the leads, but it's such a ensemble show. So even if you're not you know, Grizabella who's singing Memory, you're still on stage. Did like, you ever have to sing Memory? No. No? Can I you? I covered, yes, I, I've, I, I have sang that, sang that song for many uh, funerals, many, uh, many an event. <laughs> I'm laughing because that was my lead-in to get you to sing the song. Oh. <laughs> we will get that. We're going to get it. Can we get it?
rest of the words. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Bow, wow, wow. See, hibby I haven't yo, sang it in many years. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. It'll come to me. Memory all alone in the moonlight. Right, well. I can smile at the old days. I was beautiful then. I remember the time I knew what happiness was. Let the memory live again. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> that was fantastic. I'm glad that happened. Me too. Yeah. I really, Thank I, you so have much. Not, I did not sing that Holy song smokes. in years. Really? Wow, yeah, years. So, okay, so then this play, and then? So, okay, so I do Cats for a year, and after that, Marino, I felt like there was nothing I couldn't do, because that was so demanding, I mean, on my brain, on my physical body, everything. So then I get back to New Jersey, get back to auditioning, and the next thing I booked was uh, Disney's High School Musical. This was when the movie came out. If you remember Disney's High School Musical, Zac Efron, Vanessa... Vanessa Hutchins. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was like a huge craze. We were the first stage version. So we performed out in Atlanta, um, and then we took it on tour. So I did that for about nine months, but I d still didn't get my Broadway debut, and Broadway was always my dream. So I came back to New York, auditioned again, and I booked Jersey Boys, the uh, – so what I first was, was the universal swing. So I covered three companies of the show. That means that I covered all of the female roles in three different companies, Chicago company, the national tour and Vegas. So on any given day, I'd get a call and they'd be like, Renee, we need you in Vegas. They'd fly me to Vegas. I'd have to have my index cards with me, my notes from that show. And I'd, I'd be there covering. So I did that for six months. And then I moved into the role of Frankie Valli's wife, Mary Delgado, on the first national tour. Did that for a year. And then again, the little voice within me, I, I talk about this a lot now with what I do with helping people communicate and connect better. I talk about that little voice, right? Your gut instincts. And my gut instincts were just telling me, Renee, you still haven't had your Broadway debut. Like you need to get back to New York and, and audition. So I left that tour. People thought I was crazy, by the way. Like, to leave a, a Broadway national tour where you're getting great pay, it's a great job that doesn't come around all the time, and I'm like, no, I got to follow my heart, and I leave. That's risk. It That's risky, a risk. Risky. Wow. So, is, yeah. this, is this union stuff, the tour? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. And what it is that, Actors Equity? Actors Equity, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so once I left, back to auditioning, and I then... About a month later, got my Broadway debut. And this is a great story. The power of, uh, this is the power of just always putting the hard work in. No matter what, even when it feels like nothing's unfolding, you just still show up, you persevere. I go back to the city, I'm auditioning. And while I was on the Jersey Boys tour, I came back one day to audition for West Side Story, the revival on Broadway, which... This was about, this was like 2010, 2009, 10. <clears throat> and I, I go back on audition. I make, I make it to like the last three girls. That casting director cast do a you, few do different you, shows. Wait, do you actually see the other three? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. that got to be so uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Because what do you say? You know, good luck. Okay. Yes. <laughs> good luck. I hope you trip and fall in a you puddle. Know, <laughs> you know what, though? Listen, Marino, it is, this is why I really believe this is the one of the hardest industries in the world. Because not only does it feel so personal, right? Oh, Renee, you're too short. Renee, you look too Italian. Renee, you're this, that. It it feels personal because it's about you, right? Oh, Mike, yeah, you're funny, but maybe we need a little more of this. But also, as you're under the pressure of an audition, which is like an interview, you got all of the other people who are fighting for the same jobs right there. Right they're, there. they're actually in the theater. They can in see the you. Oh, Do you know God, I auditioned for sucks. West Side Story? In the Palace Theater, the final audition was on the stage of the Palace. This is the best part. Talk about next level. The cast, who was already in the in the Broadway show, they happened to be at the theater that day because they had a rehearsal. So while I'm dancing, doing America, I see some of the cast members in the back watching me. Yeah. Uh-huh. <sighs> so. How could you even be cordial? Yeah, you know what though? This is the thing. It's it's. Hey, like, you were pretty good. Get yeah, the yeah, hell yeah, out of yeah, here! Yeah, yeah. Hey, can I give you some notes? No, could you imagine? <laughs> oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, there are stories for sure. Uh, so, I go back. I'm, I leave the Jersey Boys tour. I'm at an audition for like a regional show, Oklahoma. Okay, and it was being performed at Arena Stage in D.C. After I get called back. After the audition, the casting director calls me into his office, the same casting director from West Side Story on Broadway, and he goes, Renee, do you sing soprano? And I go, yeah. And he goes, great, well, we need you um, to cover someone in West Side Story on Broadway, so we need to get you to the theater tonight. And I go, wait a second, what do you, what do you, what, what? He's like, you're gonna be on Broadway. And I was like, I think I just peed my pants. Oh, wow. I was so excited. And that was how I, I got my Broadway debut three days later before I was ever supposed to have my Broadway debut because I was still in rehearsal. I had my Broadway debut because someone else got injured and because I was ready and I show up fully to what whatever I do, I had my Broadway debut and no one knew it. Marino, no one knew it because I couldn't even like let... Family or oh, friends, Oh, that's know. right. It's too late. It, yeah. Too late to tell everybody, come yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. So when was your Broadway debut? Do you remember the date? Is it in your head? Oh, my. That's funny. I don't know the exact date, but it was 2010. But I remember the moment of, like, taking my bow and tears entering my eyes because my father, Frank Marino, just the the greatest man alive besides my husband. Hi, Frank. He, he's up in heaven. I am having Frank. Be, it's going to be four years uh, very soon. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I, I heard his voice always saying, because he always said to me, you always stay true to yourself. In this life, people are going to try to change you and knock you down, but you just always stay true to who you are. And, like, I just heard his voice, and I got, you know, my, my eyes welled up with tears because I was like, I did it. Like, yes, you I did, did it. it, you know. I know. I knew no one in the business. My parents didn't know anything about Broadway or theater, but because of me working hard, showing up, dealing with the rejection, constantly being told no, I did it. So it was just one of the most special moments ever. So when you're done with the Broadway, now who are you in the, uh, in the show? So while I was in the show, I first joined as one of the ensemble uh, girls, one of the shark well, the, girls. The, the, the first night on Broadway, who were oh, you? Oh, I was one of the shark girls. So one of the ensemble members who, who it dances um, 
in America. So just you in the ensemble. I was a shark. But then get this. Arthur Lawrence sees me at a at a rehearsal and the girl who's playing Rosalia, who sings America with Anita, she was leaving for another show and he he said, um, can Renee cover the role until we find someone else? So for months I was singing um, Puerto Rico, you lovely island. And I'm singing America, like being this amazing, iconic role, you know, singing with Anita. After a few months, he said, we'd like you to take over the role, which was so amazing. So they didn't audition anyone else. And I got to close out the show playing Rosalia. One of the sharks. One of the sharks, yep. I'm sorry, I'm a big fan of the movie, of course. Yeah. I've seen the play, but I've only seen it because I entertain it on cruise ships, and sometimes they have the play. Yes, yes. But that's pretty much it. I never saw it on Broadway. Yeah. Now, I can only imagine what it would be like to take a curtain call on Broadway. Oof. Wait a minute. Just to actually be on Broadway to do the show, yeah. to know you're kicking some serious ass, the endorphins must be buzzing throughout your entire being. Yes. You you talk about you going back to that guy who didn't have your, yeah. your info, and you're like, yeah, look at this, sir. Picture how it feels to be on Broadway and think about all those people all through the years who are like, you'll never do it. Yeah, no. No, sorry, you, you're good. You can't good, even but buy a ticket. Yeah, you're too short. Yeah. You're too this. You're not enough this. Only girls who are like this are successful. And I was like, oh, yeah? Watch me, baby. So, like, to have that moment, yeah, it was, it was so... Incredible. An Italian girl from New Jersey playing a Hispanic lead in West Side Story. Yeah. That is that is fantastic. So when you walk out and that audience is jumping like that, you must feel high as a kite. Oh my God. Yes. It's because for me, connecting with the audience is everything. Like that's what feeds me. Like being able to connect seeing their faces light up, especially like walking out of the stage door and, and the fans are waiting for you to sign their playbills. I mean... I was just about to say, where do you get to meet? Oh, where do you meet and greet yeah. at a Broadway play? How does it... Is it done? Is it really just the back door? Yes, yes. That's so, it? Yes. No. And if you have people like, say, your family or your friends that you know are at the show, you can br bring them backstage, bring them to the dressing room, and it's really special for them because... For those who haven't been on a Broadway stage, it's like, whoa, this is where you're performing. And side note, it's always hilarious because people who just watch Broadway shows from the audience, they think, wow, this is incredible. It's a spectacle, which it is. This is so, um, it, it's so fancy and like, oh, wow, these costumes. And then you get backstage and you see that <laughs> we are in this iconic theater that is old as the hills. There's probably some asbestos, and I'm in a dressing room with 10 girls, and it's a five by seven, and we're like this, getting ready. And they're like, wait, so this is where you get ready? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, wait, that's the set up there? It's just like hanging by a by a hook? And I'm like, yeah. And you can get killed in any yes, moment. Yes, yes, yes. So it's always, it's always so fun to have people come backstage because they're like, they're like waiting like it's a movie set, you know? Totally different film, theater, so different. And that's one of the biggest ways. I think one of the funnest things for me is when people say, can we come backstage? Can we come back before the show? Or can we come back after, after. the show? And I'm like, what do you think you're going to see there? <laughs> Anything? You really want to talk to me before I walk out on stage yes. in front of a couple thousand people? Yes. Like I could just have a conversation with anybody. Yeah. And then again, oh, I'll be right back. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> 
But I guess because everybody watches the movies and they think it's glamorous and there's cocaine yes. back there and, and there's a party back there and nope. technically it's um, nope. not. You actually. got a bottle of water. You got, a bottle of water. You got, exactly. you got your nervousness. Yes. Yes. You're, you're going, oh my God, I forgot my lines. Yep. Where yep. did they go? Did you ever walk out on stage and go, I can't think of what I do? I can't, where, Absolutely. Where, where's my line? How, how do I start the show? What's my first line? Because usually when I perform, not too much, but every once in a while I'll be like, how do I, what do I say? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's what I do. Where yeah. am I? How about that out-of-body experience? You're like, where am I where right now? It? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> why, why am I doing this? <laughs> well, remind me to tell your story. Well, no, you're going to have to tell me the story because I, I know the ultimate story is yet to come. That's yet to come. So I'm not going to tell this because it's in connection with what you just asked me, but I'll tell you it later. We'll circle back. I'll remember. All right. And everybody, if you can, um, remind me somehow that I want a song now from West Side Story. And you're going to have to give it to me a little later. Oh, um, for me? Yes. Well, I sang a little bit of America. Okay, but what is like the, the oh, biggest song oh, that came um, out of uh, oh, West Side Story for the female? Uh, no, when she's... Oh. She, um, well, there's a lot of there's great songs in West Side. Yeah, that for one. Us. Okay. Somewhere a place for us. Peace and quiet and open air. Wait for us somewhere. Thank you. <laughs> I did not I expect we to be <laughs> singing on the show tonight. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> Good. All right. So now let's go to the ultimate story because I know of this okay. story. But I don't know the whole thing. Sit back, relax, folks. Um, do you want a water? Do you want anything else to drink? Some, I'm going to have some water. All yeah. right. Since we're having my 300th um, episode today, I have some Don Perignon. Ooh. It's chilly. It's very nice and cold. It's been here for quite some time. I think I was given this for maybe some other show that I did. But this is so apropos. I don't even know what apropos means. But boom, there it is in the middle. So... Why don't you tell us the story while I try to pop this open? All right. And we have really, really classic um, glasses, see, for 300 Perfect for Mama's basement. Yes, it is, actually. Yeah. Remember, remember the kids' yes. table? Yes. Oh, my, of course. If you remember correctly, the kids' table was with all the kids, and we sat there, and we looked at the adults' table, and we said, someday, hey, I'm we're going to get to that table. Yes, and there's only one way to get to that table. <laughs> Somebody has to die. Come on, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Go sit inside, Grandma. <laughs> you listen in on the adult conversation. Like, you just happen to sit there for a few minutes and you're like, oh my gosh, that's happening to Aunt So and so. That's happening to Uncle So. Yeah. I can't, did you hear Uncle Tom? Did you hear what's going he, he's on? He's cursing. He's, yeah. He said the F word. Yeah. I think, I think um, mom and dad are fighting about this. Because <laughs> 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 Uncle Tommy, what? Put your teeth back in. You're Put scaring your the kids. <laughs> He used to have false teeth. We take yes. them out, and put them on the table. Yep. Yep. See your future. <laughs> yep. All right. So give us the greatest story ever All told. All right. So after I get my Broadway debut, I do several other shows. I did Chaplin on Broadway, a show called Wonderland. What's Chaplin? It's this. It was a story of Charlie. Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin? Wow. It was a beautiful, beautiful show. A musical. Musical. Oh my goodness. So beautiful. It was short-lived because it was during Hurricane Sandy. So, oh, really? So, oh. you know, people, we ha we were booked out for months and months, but then once the hurricane hit, it, you know, who's coming to a Broadway show when many people lost their homes? 
So it was a wonderful experience. Did another show called Wonderland. Ooh. No, tell us about okay. Wonderland. Okay. I never heard about Wonderland, but mm. let me ask you one quick question. Yes. Who played Charlie Chaplin? His name's Rob McClure. Rob McClure. Um, incredible talent. Look him up. Broadway star. He's um, I mean, he's done everything. I'm just wait. I'm I'm just waiting for that baby to pop some. Oh. <laughs> there goes that watch. There, there you go. Okay. All right. So, here I'll hold the cups. No, tell the story. I can I multitask. Got Thank you. Go ahead. So. I do Chaplin. I do a show called Wonderland, and then I never heard of Wonderland. What's Wonderland? It it, it, it was a take on Alice in Wonderland. Oh, really fun show. Oh, I Again, guess I should have known that. Yeah, it was only one month on Broadway. So this is the beautiful, the beautiful experience of Broadway. You could be on top of your game one day, and then the next day you get a call, and it's like your show's closing, and back to square one. Back what, to what exactly causes a show closing? Reviews or I mean, it, it could be a slew of things, right? It always, ticket sales. Ticket sales. Sometimes you know you're just in a theater that's too big, and you can't fill it. Sometimes the the budget, the budget is just minimal. So there, it, it can be for so many different reasons. I do Chaplin. I do Wonderland. I then have a, a dream come true playing the role of Mary Delgado in Jersey Boys on Broadway. So, cheers. this, cheers, salute. Happy 300. 300. 300. 300. Whew. Whew. Um, so, I am performing on Broadway. Now, you have to understand, like, this role for me was a dream. This is about a Jersey girl, a sassy, sarcastic, fun First wife of Frankie Valli. I mean, I listened to Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons growing up. I grew up just a mile or two from where the whole storyline takes place. So for me, I was like, oh my goodness, this feels like home to me. So I'm playing Mary Delgado in the Broadway show. One Sunday matinee, uh, I'm on stage with my fellow actors singing, my boyfriend's back and you're gonna be in trouble. And ten rows staring at me from back in the audience was the legend himself, Clint Eastwood. We get word that Clint was going to be directing the film version of Jersey Boys. And at this point, you guys, I'm, I never did TV or film before. I was always just in theater. So did I think you want to myself, yes, absolutely. Yes. And you know how sometimes you have dreams and your dreams are really specific, but there are always other things that you want to do too. Like movies was something like, oh yeah, I want to do at some point, but I didn't. I didn't specify. It wasn't something I thought about every day. So we hear that he's going to be directing the film version. And my first thought is like, oh, Marissa Tomei is going to play Mary Delgado. They're going to hire A-list celebrities out of Los Angeles. Then they start calling people in from our cast to audition. And they were looking for a Mary Delgado. So at this point, I'm like, huh. I mean, it would be so cool just to be able to audition for a film. So I call my agent and I say, hey, let's see if we can get me an appointment. Weeks go by. Every girl I know on Broadway is getting an audition for Mary Delgado. And my agent calls me a few weeks later and she says, Renee, I'm so sorry. I don't know what the problem is. They said they won't give you an audition for Mary Delgado, but they'll give you an audition for one of the smaller roles, one of the angels who sings My Boyfriend's Back. 
And Mike, I remember hanging up the phone thinking like, you gotta be kidding me. If I can't get an audition for a role that I'm currently playing at the highest level I could be playing it, then something's wrong here. Like, God, are you telling me I'm not meant to be in this business? So I felt my feelings for a little bit. I was upset, I felt frustrated. And then I threw my hands up and I said, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go in and audition for an angel. I'm in the audition room that day. I'll never forget. It was on Wall Street. It was a rainy day. I had another audition in the morning. And I'm in the audition room. And the casting director, Jeff, who was so sweet, we're in a great conversation. And then he says, Renee, would you like to sing the song first or read the scene? And at that moment, again, I heard that quiet little voice. My gut instinct say, Renee, you have to do this. It feels too right. And I looked at the casting director and I said, you know, Jeff, I was really hoping to come in and read for Mary Delgado. And he looks at me and he goes, I was just thinking the same thing. And I'm like, amazing, great. <laughs> so he goes, now, if you want more time to rehearse the Mary scenes, you can do the angel audition today if you like, and you can come back another day to do the Mary scenes. And I'm thinking to myself, hell no, I'm not leaving this building until I do those damn scenes that I fought so hard to get this audition. So I do the scenes that day and I leave there feeling so grateful. I was so happy. And I'll tell you, walking back to the subway, I passed a church. I went in, lit a candle, got on my knees and I said, thank you, God. Like, I'm so grateful that I got the chance. That's all I wanted was the chance. I go back to eight shows a week on Broadway. A few weeks later, my agent calls me and she says, you're Mary Delgado in the movie Clint Eastwood loves you. And I'm like, Whoa! like the most surreal moment of my life salute unbelievable salute congratulations thank you and again like really think about this never stepped foot on a tv set, set a film set before it was like jumping off of a cliff so the first day of filming i'll never forget i'm in my first mary dress when you when i first meet frankie at the bar and I'm, I get picked up and I'm in the shuttle and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, talk about butterflies like flying around in your stomach. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, go I'm going to film a movie. Warner Brothers, Clint Eastwood's directing me. And again, my gut instincts were like, Renee, you know what you're doing. Clint Eastwood hired you, trust in your talent and leap. And I walked in the, the doors of that first location that first day and his whole team are just as wonderful as Clint Eastwood is. And they're like, Renee, welcome. And then who walks up to me on my right side, but Mr. Legend himself, Clint, and he goes, you know, I went around to all the different casts, but nobody was in your class. And then you came in and put yourself on tape and it was the icing on the cake. And I'm like, "Wow!" literally, I'm, t I'm trying to hold back the tears. I didn't even film a scene yet. I'm like, don't ruin your makeup. And that first day that I filmed, and every day that followed, I would sit and eat lunch with Clint Eastwood, just like you and I, and I'd be shoveling it down. Even Mr. Eastwood will tell you, wow, kid, you got an appetite. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and we're sitting there eating, and I'd pick his brain like a sponge. Clint, what was it like when you started acting? Clint, what did that camera shot mean? Clint, what do you think I should do when I, you know, start auditioning here in, in California? I mean, I asked him everything I could. I journaled about it. My journal is full of everything that I learned from him. And I just wanted to absorb being in, in the presence of this greatness because I knew this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He is Hollywood royalty, he is man. He is the best. And this is the best part about him. He is the most genuine, real, humble human being. Like, he's become a mentor to me. 
could not be more loving. So fast forward, I'm eating lunch once again, because eating is my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I'm eating with Clint, one of the producers of the film, and myself, when they start talking about how Clint knew he wanted me for the role when he saw me perform on Broadway. And I put my fork down, which takes a lot. And I said, do you guys want to hear a funny story? I never got an audition for the role of Mary. The only reason I got to read the scenes is because I opened up my big mouth in the room and asked. And the two of them stop. They look at each other. They go, wait, what do you mean? We requested you. We said, we want the girl from the Broadway show to come in for this audition. Imagine my surprise. I came to find out that day that there was a middle person casting associate juggling a few films at once and just dropped the ball on having me come into audition so in other words if i didn't have the confidence or the ability to speak up and communicate my desire in that room that day i could have missed my once in a lifetime opportunity that's why you have to speak up and that's why tomorrow i'm going back to the bank and i'm yes. gonna say to that guy one more time yes. you son, son of, of a, a bitch, bitch. Because there's always somebody that can actually be in the way of your success and you didn't know about yes. it. And well, nobody is a stronger advocate for you than you. Yeah. And and as wonderful as my agent was, and I, I love them, nobody's going to work harder for you than yourself. And I, I hear so often, this is what I hear all the time from clients, from family members, friends. When I ask them why they haven't spoken up, they say, oh, I'm not a confrontational person. Okay, no. I'm here to tell you, communication does not mean confrontation. And by holding yourself back from speaking up, you are not only wasting energy, ruminating, oh, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? They don't want to hear from me. I shouldn't say this. You waste time. The one thing in life we can't get back. And more than anything, you miss out on opportunities. So how, like how often, think for yourself, have you missed out on opportunities because you could have said something, but you didn't. You could have told that person you love them, but you were too afraid. You could have capitalized on that promotion or that opportunity, but you're like, I'm not good enough. I could have punched that, guy in, punched the face, that guy in the face, but I didn't. <laughs> so next time, boom, right boom. in the nose. <laughs> right in the... This is actually true. I right mean, you know... Face, you, yeah. That's why I've been saying a lot in my stand-up routines, people know right from wrong. Don't be afraid to tell somebody, actually, you're wrong, and you knew. Yes. Stop making shit up. Yes. Nobody cares. Yep. Yes, speaking up is your superpower. Yeah, that's Put why that on a post-it. Who knows what happened that made people in, in the pandemic side to become too uh, lenient on letting people do what they think they should be doing or saying, mm -hmm. especially in the stand-up world. Oh, you can't say that. No, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is what I've always done. Back up. And if you don't like what I say, get out of the showroom. Yep. That's just the way it is. But yeah. that's an incredible story. I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah. Must be amazing. If I ever met Clint Eastwood, I would just say, hey, what was it like to be on the Twilight Zone? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, well, <laughs> You're we, on the Twilight Zone. <laughs> we sat with him. So my husband and I, we did our closing party. I convinced them to do it at the Belmont Tavern <clears throat> in New Jersey, okay? Oh, okay. Old school Italian. And we're sitting at this long table, and it's me, Clint, my husband, across from Clint, and... We just got in this great conversation about like, man, you've just been a part of like the greatest films and, and how did you get away with, with, with certain things that you said and did in movies? And it was just like this amazing conversation where, where we're just hanging with, with Clint Eastwood, who's 
talking to, talking to us just like a human being because that's what we are, right? We're all the same at, at our core. And it was just so incredible to be like, oh my God, Clint, what was it like when you started acting? You know what he said to me? He said, Renee, I had more smoke blown in my face when I'd walk into these these casting director's offices and they'd blow smoke in my face and be like, you're not good looking enough. You'll never be an actor. They'd shut the door in my face and I'm like, who's laughing now? Wow, could you imagine <laughs> like, that? Could you imagine? Yeah. Like what, the, what those people who were obviously long gone, like what they said when he first became a star, like, man, I, I didn't make the right decision with that one. I hope someday in the future I go to certain places that I want to go and I can go back to see the people who told me I would never make any money in this business and say, surprise, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now. Because <laughs> yeah, we all have those uh, magical moments and hopefully we can keep on having them and then embrace them the way that you were talking about. Do people, um, did you get to meet Frankie Valley? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, many a times. And it was so funny. I, I was. How about the other guys? The. The other guys that were in the original four oh, seasons. Oh, Bob Gaudio, he's an angel. Oh, my God. I met Bob Gaudio when I was on the tour. He, um, Him and his wife, they took us out when we went to Nashville because he lives in Nashville. They took us out to dinner. I mean, I was at um, Bob Gaudio's uh, daughter's wedding. So, it, it, oh, okay. Yeah, these guys, they're, they're well, who's amazing. Who's the other two guys? Um, well, uh, Tommy DeVito and then uh, uh, Nick Massey, who passed. And they're all yeah. from New Jersey, of course. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, the, the uh, thing is, they were called the, the Four Seasons because of the bowling alley on Route 22 in Union, which My I think just got knocked there. out. Yeah. Did she always say, she's like, I used to bowl there. Yeah. So I saw that in the movie. Yeah. There was a time where I was touring in Florida, and somebody introduced me to another man who was in the Four Seasons, but supposedly wrote their music or wrote their... Not the, not the lyrics, but and the music, I guess. The music? I'm trying to think of his name. His Italian name. Not Charlie Colella. Yes. Charlie, Charlie Colella. Yes. Yeah. And so I did some work with him, and then he had a concert one night, and he mentioned my name while he was performing on stage with the orchestra who was playing the Four Seasons music, and he said, oh, Mike Marino's here tonight. And I'm like, wow. So a friend of mine said to me, he goes, you're not even absorbing who that is, are you? And I'm like, well, no, not really. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm not. This is a while ago. Yeah. And he goes, he wrote the three most famous notes in the business. And I go, what what notes are those? And he goes, dun, dun, dun. Wow. From, um, what's that song that, the, that uh, oh, God, now I got to think about all this shit. I know. I See, this is, this is tough, like, dun, being dun, on the spot. Dun, 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 dun. So good, so good, so good. Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline. So he wrote, I guess, bum, bum, bum. something dun, in that dun. song. But that's the, the thing. Dun, 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 dun. And that made him a millionaire. His oh my entire world and life. But you I guess he, know. they talk about him in the movie. Yeah, Charlie Colella. Or somebody played was, somebody He was in that one movie. of the, after Tommy and Nick left, they had, they had to get new seasons to come in because now it was Frankie Valley. And the four seasons. So he was one of the guys who came in as It's all interesting, isn't it? Now, it's, here's another a trivia. When you were on tour, did you ever work the show with Devin May? Yes, in <laughs> Vegas. Devin, Vegas. hi, Devin. <laughs> I hope he's watching. Yes, yeah. Devin May know yes. each other and I uh, know each other because we lived in the same building in Los Angeles wow. many years ago. 
and we've remained in touch. But I remember he moved to Las Vegas. No, he moved to New York to do a musical called The Batman or The Bat Boy. Bat, Bat Boy. Boy. Oh, yeah, that was years ago. And then he went to do Jersey, Jersey Boys. Boys. Tommy DeVito he played. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You'll love this. So one day on set, I'm eating. Eating. <laughs> eating. Again, I tell you, that's all I did. The, guys, this is the best part about filming, the ca like the catering. When I first got there the first day, again, I'm used to Broadway. There's no catering. They're like, go to 42nd Street, get yourself a bagel. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing fancy. No. No, no. You do your own craft makeup. Service. No craft services. So I, I, get to, I get to the Warner Brothers <laughs> lot, and I'm like, this is heaven. Like, they're like, oh, what would you like for breakfast? We'll get you a smoothie. What do you like in your coffee? Coming in my trailer. I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm eating once again, and it's me, Clint Eastwood, the producer, uh, the assistant director, and we're all sitting around the table. And I'm chowing down. I think I at this point I had a piece of cake because, you know, they have dessert there, too. Cake. So I'm eating. And all of a sudden, Frankie walks up, the real Frankie Valley, And he walks in between Clint Eastwood and I. And I look over, and they're in a conversation. And I just had this out-of-body experience where I left my body, and I was hovering over it, looking down, going, what is my life right now? <laughs> like, Frankie Valley, Clint Eastwood. I'm sitting here eating cake. This is insane. And it was just like this amazing moment. But Frankie was on set with us all the time. Christopher Walken, you know, played uh, Jip DiCarlo. What was he like? He was a hoot. <laughs> the first day I met him, at lunch. At lunch. We better start eating some sandwiches. I mean, <laughs> I mean, guys, I'm not kidding when I say eating. Eating is my love. So Clint and I are, are sitting there chatting. Christopher Walken walks up and he sits to my left and he starts, he's so nice. He starts asking me about Broadway because he, he, you know, is a theater performer as well. And he was just like, what was the Broadway show like? And we're in this great conversation. He gets up to walk away. Clint Eastwood, dead serious, looks at me and he goes, I think he's going to be good in this role. Don't, don't you? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm laughing to myself thinking Clint Eastwood's Just asking my thoughts and my opinion on this Oscar winning actor and how he's going to be in the role. And I'm like, yeah, Clint, I think he's going to be great, but you have to do this. When you guys are filming, you have to make sure at one point to say, it's good, but I'm going to need a little more cowbell. Remember this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so he goes, all right, I'm going to do it. So my friends who played the Four Seasons, when they filmed... Jip's big scene. They call me up at the end of the day. They go, Renee, Clint did it. We finished filming the scene, and everybody's like, oh, great job, great work, everybody. And uh, Christopher Watkins turns to walk away, and Clint goes, oh, Chris, one more thing, one more thing. I want to do it one more time, and this time I need a little more cowbell. <laughs> and Clint starts laughing, and Chris was like, Rolls his eyes and just walks he away. Didn't, he didn't do it? He didn't do it. I think he it was like, like hit something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, speaking of food, we're going to bite into something, but I do want to get one more song before we eat this. Can you give us uh, a little of anything from the Four Seasons? Uh, yeah. What would be your favorite song? Could I say my favorite song? Yeah. There's way too many. There's so many. I mean, There's you so really can't many. pick one. All right, a couple of bars from what you um, like the most. Um, you're just too good to be true. 
Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. At long last, love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Guys, this is great practice for me. I mean, he's put me on the spot here. All right? This is in the moment. There's a, a group of guys, they call themselves the Jersey Tenors, and we've worked together before as comedy musical duos, and they came over and did the podcast, and there were four of them, and they all had major roles on Broadway. So I was, like, blown away who was the star of, um, what's the man with the mask, and he hides? Oh, Phantom. Phantom the Opera. Oh, the guy yeah. did Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Another guy did, was it Spider-Man? He was mm -hmm. the lead in Spider-Man. He talked about how they, uh, they his harnesses and oh, going yeah. up and down. And then another guy, and and then they, they and then when they harmonized, Oof. I was just blowing me away. The sound that was yeah. coming out of my basement. Oh yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm a lucky guy because like you, you're looking at them like, wow, I'm standing here with them. And then I'm like that too. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yep. He's like, wow, what are you doing here? And then yeah. you have the conversations like we had before the show. Like, I can't, you know, it's well, oh, yeah, it, it's just. Yes. Baffling. Baffling. I've been a very, very lucky entertainer. So the past couple of years of doing my podcast live from my mother's basement, of course, tonight we're celebrating 300. I've had a lot of different sponsors. So thank you, all the different sponsors that have put their faith in what I do and put their names on my shirts as I tour the world. One of my favorite guys in this area always brings us great sandwiches. In fact, could you hand me that piece of yes. paper right there? So tonight... Our little sandwich party has been brought to you by our friend, Mr. C's. I say Mr. C's. It's Big C's. His name is Clemente. He's from Naples, Clemente. Italy. And it's the uh, Big C's Italian Grill food truck. Don't get confused. It's gourmet food. Makes great, great sandwiches. Mm. So if you're ever in the area, 908-403-3172, 200 Terrell Road in Plainfield, mm. Big C's. You can C's. smell it. Good I, night, I, I bit say. this sandwich before. This is chicken Good cutlet. Night. I think this you have. This one's cheesesteak, I think. She's got the cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just so damn good. See the face? Look, my lips are swollen. Mm. I thought I was the only one that did that. Mm, this is so good, you guys. Oh. Eating the day after Christmas. Mm. <laughs> I know, it never ends. It's kind of brutal. <laughs> we have leftovers, yet we're still going out to get more food. Mm -hmm. Leftovers could be the best. One of my favorite things is to have leftovers early in the morning with my cup of coffee mm. the day after uh, an event or so. So to celebrate, I brought some cupcakes That's so stupid. These are gourmet cupcakes. I got them from a gourmet cupcake store because my producer Tatiana said you you have to have gluten free food. Well, well, what what? Are, what well, I I I said gluten. I'm supposed what, to be gluten free. Gluten preference. Glu so you got look. I mean this. How do you find? I I'm, come on. I don't know how to find gluten free food. 
Could you imagine? You, 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 oh, look, I made a mistake. Not, I thought it said gluten-free. It says nut-free. <laughs> this this is not nut free here. This is we're full it's of nuts. Two nuts, original two bite vanilla cupcakes, and I thought it said gluten free. It mm. says nut free. Mm. Well, listen, you're not going to get any nuts out of these cupcakes. <laughs> I also wanted to get uh, a celebration cake for 300 episodes, and there was nobody working in the place that makes these cupcakes. So this one is kind of like a leftover Christmas cake. <laughs> But it says happy birthday. Happy birthday. It's a leftover Christmas cake. I don't even know what's in it, but we're going to eat that. And uh, I got a lot of stuff on this table. What was your favorite Christmas food? Ooh. Um, Eggplant eggplant roll and teeny. Did you have your... Mm. There's a ball. There's got to be a red ball somewhere. Otherwise, this ain't going to work. Anybody see a red ball? Oh, I left it upstairs. All right, forget it. All right, everybody. What? There's my Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, I'm going to get oh, another Christmas song. Go ahead. Christmas tree. How lovely are your branches. That's probably not even the right words. But Notice I hid myself <laughs> behind the tree. I'm a regular Charlie where's, Brown. Where's Mike Marino? <laughs> Here's my Charlie Brown. We can't Brown. find him. <laughs> Isn't this the greatest song of all time? Watch this. <laughs> now let's dance like the kids on, the, on that show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's my 300th anniversary song. (laughs) I love Christmas, but I think it was more fun, of course, when we were so young. Yeah. And you got up early in the morning on Christmas Day. I have two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. And you run downstairs, and you can't wait to see what Santa Claus brought you. Mm. But all, all, all we ever heard was my father go, Santa Claus was poor this year. Yeah. <laughs> and we used to look at him going, but you don't even know him. Did you call him? How do you know? Why is he broke? Well, that's because he only works once a year. Why don't you call him, Dad? Call him. <laughs> Could you imagine that? <laughs> so here's my Merino hat for Christmas. I got to get me one. I don't have one that says Merino. Oh, wow. That's right. You could wear my hat and nobody would know. Well, if you want to share it, you can. That's a good hat. Yeah, well, there it is. There it is. So we're having some fun down here in the basement. Of course, we're celebrating 300 episodes. We had some food from my favorite uh, food truck. And uh, we had some champagne. We're going to cut that cake. I do have one more thing that I want to show everybody. (laughs) I didn't have a chance to read the directions. She's laughing. This is Tatiana's idea. <laughs> We're probably going to get hurt somehow. But this is some kind of a gun that shoots confetti. Oh, we are. And I want to. I want to. Um, we are celebrating. Right. So. Um, oh um, this is not the way this goes. All right. This is not going to happen. We're going to get killed. I don't believe in some of these things sometimes because these toys can get you hurt. Not like when we were kids when any toy would get you. Remember <laughs> Click Clacks? Uh, no. Click Clacks, the two rocks on a string. Oh, I yeah, I found yeah, them yeah, late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the Tonka trucks made of metal. Was this part of your Christmas present? Confetti. Yes, these are my Christmas. Th- no, I went and got this shit for myself. Because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see if I couldn't shoot some confetti. I have 300, no idea 300, 300, that's a lot of episodes. That, oh. Do you know anything about this? Let me see. Mm, 
Oh, wait. Yep. I think it goes like this. I bought pumpkin spice right, popcorn. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying. Oh! Yeah! Holy oh, shit! No, let, 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 let me do one. Here. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you Wait, figure this shit out? Listen, stick with me, kid. I'm sticking with you. <laughs> stick with this, Marino, Marino. Why don't we go ahead and tell everybody out there where they can find you on yes. the internet so that they can follow you and get to go see where you're performing and tell us what's going on in your career now. Yes. Well... Come and find me on my website, ReneeMarino.com, R-E-N-E-E-M-A-R-I-N-O.com. And now I am a connection expert, international speaker, helping people to communicate more effectively, whether that is off camera or on, because everything in our lives starts with communication and connection. So uh, my mission is to help people get back to that real, authentic connection. It seems like it's so difficult now Oof. with AI. Oh, yeah. I see. What I like to say often is that the one thing artificial intelligence can never replace is human intelligence is emotional connection. Human connection. It, it, can't, it can't ever replace that feeling of oxytocin that we get when we hug each other yes. or look at each other in the eyes when Perform we're speaking. Perform live. Perform live. Get the energy from those real-life people. Um, so it's important that we, in this digital age, learn how to really connect in a way that's genuine because those connections, as you and I know, are what lead to limitless opportunities. Don't you hate the online auditions? Oh, it's like, oh, anything. Listen, this is an amazing resource. Look, we get to do this podcast here and connect with all of you wonderful viewers I still say nothing replaces that face-to-face, real-life, in-person connection. That's right. So, guys, I want you to follow my cousin, Renee Marino. If there's any problems, you're dealing with the family now. That's it. In the fam. We're going to be doing some shows together. You're going to watch. Yes. Gonna get... And they have to grab my book. I should have brought my book. I, I think I may have it here. I got to get a Hold book. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, don't don't you worry, sir. I signed oh. one to you. You came over with some I, some famous people. And I and I have to tell you something. Miraculously, a book appears. Bum, bum, <laughs> oh my God! How did that get here? <laughs> um. And look what's the coolest part. Are you ready for this? You guys, I'm very honored that Mr. Clint Eastwood endorsed my book on the cover with me. When it comes to helping you authentically communicate, Renee Marino is the woman to do that. What? I still can't believe it. And you want to hear the coolest part? He loved, he loved that it says Renee Marino is the woman to do that. That's why he wanted this quote. This Isn't is great. He? He's the best. This is great. And we got Mr. Chaz Palminteri. Okay. Another incredible actor, director, producer, a Bronx tale. He endorsed the book. Um, Dean Graziosi, Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you. No kidding, Brian Adams. Yes, he, so the most recent Broadway show I did was Pretty Woman the Musical. He wrote the music to it. So Brian and I became friends, and he is super talented, as we all know. So yeah, he endorsed the book, and Russell Brunson, so many incredible people. So make sure to grab a copy, because all of us need to know how to communicate in this world of digital technology. We need to know the right time and place to send a text versus the right time and place to say, you know what, I'm meeting you for a coffee. Yes. Mm. 
So we should just put that book here. <clears throat> you Don't can. you guys think it should be here? Okay. <laughs> just for now. How about any uh, movies or, or Broadway shows in the works now? Well, since 2020, uh, after I, I closed Pretty Woman the Musical, I started writing my book. I would write the book as I was performing. And I decided, Mike, that I, I was ready for a new chapter. Like, I was like, I want to activate my other gifts, speaking. I want to get my book published. And that's when I decided to take a course to become a, a, a coach, helping people with communication and connection. And a month later, the world shut down. Oh, it was wow. the, pandemic. the pandemic. So it was literally divine timing because the first thing I did was created a course called Connecting on Camera helping business owners, entrepreneurs to be able to get on camera and be themselves because everybody was in the pandemic. So that's one of the courses that I have now. And now I'm just, you know, all over the world speaking. I just spoke in Italy. Um, and I'm just, I'm on a mission to start this communication movement, baby. It's time to get back to real connection, real communication, because AI can't replace that. You hear me? Yes. <laughs> All right. What a way to close a show. So one more time, tell them where they can find you on the internet, and they're going to look you up, and they're going to buy your book, and they're going to go watch you perform live. Yes. Say yes. it again. ReneeMarino.com. ReneeMarino.com. Listen, folks, we got to get going. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on my 300th episode of this show, Live from My Mother's Basement. Big shout out to my producer, Tatiana Blueshell, for always making sure that we put out a great program and she brings great guests like Renee Marino on the show. So thank you so much. Remember, everybody, you can watch me all the time every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock exclusively on my YouTube channel, which is Mike Marino Live, also on Spotify. Let's make America Italian again, shall we? Yeah. You know the motto. You don't know nothing, you don't see nothing, and you don't say nothing. And how do I end every single one of my broadcasts by saying the same thing with my guest? Don't take no shit from nobody. Ready? Yeah, you got that? Yeah. Don't, don't take, take no, no shit from, from nobody. nobody. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> hey! hey! Happy 300! <laughs> <laughs>